Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! You are great. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. And we're back. We are back. Uh, Last time we left you, it was 1987, and now we have jumped on forward into 1988. Uh, It is 2018, and therefore on our show, it's 1988, because we like to travel back in time. So this is the 30-something movie podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, We're glad that you're here. Uh, Just a a quick sense of uh, what our show is, kind of what the premise is for the show. Why is it called the 30-something movie podcast? Well, if you haven't figured out by now... It's called the 30-something movie podcast because we take a look at movies that are hitting their 30th anniversary this year. So we started this back in about 2015, and uh, that year we were doing 1984, 1985 movies. Um, Then we moved on into 86. Last year was 87, and we are jumping uh, full speed ahead. Um, You could even say we are getting up to 88. When this baby gets up to 88, you're going to see some. So anyway... This is, uh, that's the premise of the show, is we take a look at movies so uh, that are hitting their 30th anniversary, and uh, you'll notice this year we're, we're going to try to, we're toying a little bit with the format of the show, and so you'll notice that uh, we're going to try to start off with looking at a couple of movies each time, and having some other little mini-shows kind of in between those, maybe uh, tentpole, maybe is the right word, episodes where we take a look at a couple of different movies that maybe are along a, a similar theme. So this first time around, we're going to be looking at, uh, this is our animation month in January, so we're going to be looking at anime in this first episode, and we'll be taking a look at My Neighbor Totoro and Akira. So this is the Japanese animation episode starting us off for 2018 and 1988. Uh, we will also, over the course of this year, uh, we really want to do a little bit more with bringing in some of the other history and other pop culture and things like that of the year that we're in. So we'll, we're going to be trying to do a little bit more with other stuff that happened in 1988. So that's it for our show. I mean, that's not it for our show, but that's kind of the, the premise of the show. So thank you again for joining us. If you have joined us in the past and you are enjoying listening to the show, please share us with uh, some of your friends. If you've got other friends that listen to podcasts, share with them, uh, especially if they're 80s fans, 80s movie fans, just movie fans in general, because sometimes we do jump forward and we take a look at movies that are coming out in the current year as well. And if something's hitting a major milestone and it happens to be a movie that we really love, like for example, uh, Jeff uh, Mazuko, one of our co-hosts, he loves Casablanca. Casablanca hit its 75th anniversary last year and we did not get a chance to do a show for it before the end of 2017. So we're going to be doing that uh, sometime here in the early part of 2018 because he, he really wanted to talk about that one. I got to see it for the first time. I loved it. So um, so we do want to get a chance to talk about that one too. So we kind of, we jump around here and there, but for the most part, we, we stay firmly entrenched in 1988 this year. Again, 
If you are listening to the show and you're enjoying it, share it with others. Uh, please feel free to jump over to iTunes and leave us a review there. Wherever you're getting your podcasts, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review so that we can take a look at your feedback and see how we're doing. If there's anything we can do to improve the show, we also would love to interact with you as well. So if you've got, you know, if you're screaming at your your uh, radio in your car as you're driving along or jogging or whatever it is you're doing, and you totally disagree with us or you want to give us a virtual high five and tell us that you absolutely agree, we would love to hear from you. So if you jump on over to 30podcast.com, that's 30podcast.com, it'll give you all the different ways that you can get in touch with us. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have a voicemail line. So any one of those, you can get in touch with us. We interact with, interact with uh, myself or the other hosts that are on the show. So that's kind of the opening spiel for our new year and our new set of episodes that are coming this year. Um, I am going to jump on in and some information, background information for our two movies this time, and then we'll get on into the discussion that we had about My Neighbor Totoro and Akira. Our first movie this time is going to be My Neighbor Totoro. It came out on the 16th of April, 1988 in Japan, was rated G with a runtime of one hour and 26 minutes. And I am going to apologize profusely right now uh, for messing up these names. Um, the, obviously, a lot of the people that worked in the well, everyone who worked in this movie is from Japan. And I am going to do my best to say the names, but I do apologize right now because I know I am going to butcher some of these names. I've, I've done my best to either try to look up what the pronunciation would be, but I know I'm not going to do it justice. So for everyone who worked on this movie... Thank you for the work that you did. Uh, it was a great movie. You'll hear in our discussion that, that I think we all really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm just going to apologize that, that I'm definitely going to be messing up your names here. So the director for this one was Hayao Miyazaki. He also did Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away. And there's a huge list of other movies he did. So just listing those two is, is not doing him justice as, as well. Producer on this one was Toru Hara, who also did Nausicaa, the, the Valley of the Wind, and Kiki's Delivery Service. Writer was also Miyazaki for this one. He also wrote Kiki's Delivery Service and Howl's Moving Castle. Music was done by Joe Hiseishi. He also did the 1982 Wizard of Oz uh, anime movie, Kiki's Delivery Service and Spirited Away. Hiseo Shirai was the cinematographer, who also did Ghost in the Shell and Perfect Blue. Uh, budget for this one, couldn't find it. Box office was $5 million. Uh, it came out combined with Grave of the Fireflies. They both were released at exactly the same time as a kind of double-billed movie. So the combined box office, we don't really know what the, what the individual box office would have been, but combined was $5 million. Starring Noriko Hidaka as Satsuki, was in Ranma uh, Half and Inuyasha, the TV series. Chika Sakamoto played Mei, was in Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, and Digimon Adventure. Uh, Shigesato Itoi played Tatsuo Kusakabe, uh, was in My Soul is Slashed. Sumi Shimamoto was Yasuko Kusaba Kusakabe, uh, was in Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, and Princess Mononoke. Uh, I think it's Taini Kitiba Kitabayashi, who died in 2010, played the granny, um, was in a movie called Letter from the Mountain. And Hitoshi Takagi, died in 2004, was Totoro, and was in Throne of Blood and Lady Snowblood. Critical reception for this one, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 94%. Roger Ebert labeled it as one of his great movies, and I think both Siskel and Ebert labeled it as one of their favorite movies of the year. The audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes is also a 94% on this one. 
Awards. It won the Kinema Jumbo Award for Best Film, Reader's Choice Award, Best Japanese Film, and the Menichi Film Award for Best Film. This movie follows the tale of the young schoolgirl Satsuke and her younger sister Mei as they settle into an old country house with their father and wait for their mother to recover from an illness in a close-by hospital. As the sisters explore their new home, they encounter and befriend playful spirits in their house and the nearby forest, most notably the massive cuddly creature known as Totoro. Jungle Boy! It's the good time fly-high fantasy you've been looking for. It's a journey that will take you to heights you've always dreamed about. Hang on tight to my neighbor, Totoro. They're furry. They're cuddly. They're huge. And they're loud. And most of all, they're lovable. And there was a little one. And one this big. And a great. But to grown-ups, you don't believe me. They're invisible. <laughs> Enter a beautiful new world of enchantment, <laughs> where your house turns out to be a magical playground, <laughs> and your neighbor is a magical Totoro. <laughs> it's the fantasy that's bigger than your imagination. You'll never forget your ride on the twelve-legged cat bus. Was it an umbrella he took with him, Daddy's? It's the roller coaster thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> You'll laugh with Totoro. <laughs> You'll cry with Totoro. <laughs> Best of all, you'll fly with Totoro. Since the time you were small, you've dreamed of adventures this tall. Now, the new classic children's storybook flies to life on the screen. From world-renowned master animation director Hayao Miyazaki. An animated adventure for children of all ages. My neighbor, Totoro! Tokuma Shoten production from 50th Street Chroma Films. And our second movie this time around is Akira. Came out at 16th of July, 1988 in Japan. Rated R, was two hours and four minutes. Uh, director was Katsuhiro Otomo, who did Neo Tokyo and Steam Boy. Producer was Shunzo Kato, who did Space Cobra, Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Writers were Katsuhiro Otomo, who did Neo Tokyo and the 2001 Metropolis. Uh, Itso Hashimoto did Evil Dead Trap 2 and Shamo. Shamo, maybe? Uh, music for this one was done by Shoji Yamashiro, who also did a movie called I Am God. Cinematography was done by Katsuji Misawa, who did Inspector Gadget and Heathcliff the movie. Budget was 8 million, box office 49 million worldwide. Starring Mitsuo Iwata as Kaneda, who did uh, Paprika and Dead Leaves. Nozumo Sasaki did Tetsuo. He was UU, it was also in UU Hakusho, Fight for the Netherworld, and the last uh, Naruto the movie. Mami Koyama played K, was in Appleseed and Dragon Ball. Uh, Teso Genda played Ryu, was in Ghost in the Shell and Dragon Ball Z. Hiroshi Otaki was Nezu, was in Dragon Ball Space Pirate Captain Harlock. 
Koichi Kitamura, who died in 2007, played uh, Miyako and council member number one, was in a movie called Lunar, the Silver Star, and The Professional, Gogol Go 13. Michihiro Ikimizu was the inspector, and council number eight uh, was in a series of movies called Patlabor. I'm probably saying all of this very wrong, uh, but doing my best. Yukiro Fukizaki played Kaori and was in Revolutionary Girl Utena and Kiki's Delivery Service. Masaki Okura played Yamagata and was in Perfect Blue and Dragon Ball Z. Uh, critical reception for this one, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and has been listed on the 14th out of the top 25 animated movies of all time by IGN and got a thumbs up from Roger Ebert. Uh, audience rating for this one on Rotten Tomatoes was a 90% and shows up as an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, I did not find any awards for this movie per se, uh, but the plot of this one... Uh, I'll see this plot. I got this one from Google. Um, in 1988, the Japanese government drops an atomic bomb on Tokyo after ESP experiments on children go awry. In 2019, 31 years after the nuking of the city, Kaneda, a bike gang leader, tries to save his friend Tetsuo from a secret government project. He battles anti-government activists, greedy politicians, irresponsible scientists, and a powerful military leader until Tetsuo's supernatural powers suddenly manifest. A final battle is fought in Tokyo Olympiad, exposing the experiment. Secrets. Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Streamlined Pictures presents a state of the art adventure. Akira. background that I've got on this one is uh, for these uh, two movies before we jump into our discussion is for Akira. The movie takes place in 2019 and depicts Neo-Tokyo creating a new Olympic stadium. Coincidentally, Tokyo is scheduled to host the 2020 Summer Olympics. So is it going to happen? Well, it didn't happen because it would have happened in the late 80s if it did. So no, but uh, just kind of interesting that that's uh, maybe Japan planned it that way. I don't know. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion for My Neighbor Totoro and Akira. It feels like it's been a while since we've been here, but we are back. This is our first episode of 2018, or in our case, 1988. Uh, but it's... There we go. never brought to mind. Should old acquaintance be forgot? No, just just me. No, I, I was just letting you go. I mean, I 
Yeah, I, I was oh. beautiful. You were, you were, you were doing it. So, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of got a tear in my eye right yeah, now. Yeah, my eyes are kind of leaking. Yeah, sounds, sounds like somebody's leaking. Is somebody peeing right now? <laughs> no, I'm filling up my water. Pat, water. are you doing the dishes uh, again? Sure. This is the no, podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where everybody does their chores. If you're a listener, you mow your lawn. If you're Pat, you fill up the water or you do the dishes. I am not doing the dishes. I'm filling okay. up my water bottle. I have learned my okay. lesson from the dishes. Okay. And I, uh, you know, it's funny because I listened to that one podcast. I'm like, holy cow, they're right. That's really loud. I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's okay. The one guy that no, cares no, about no, it, no. the one guy that cares about us eating and chomping pizza, he, he's already left. So. Yeah, he retracted his statements and all that kind of no, stuff. No, I think he just disappeared. Yeah, that's. Mm. I could have told him that, but that's okay. Well, exactly. But yeah, you know, people that don't know us, it takes a few minutes. Well, to we realize we don't know that he left. Well, that's true. He could be listening. If you're still listening, hey guy. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around, thanks, man. Thanks for sticking through it. Yeah. We, we promise not to eat. Well, I promise not to eat any pizza while recording this episode. By I promise way, to help John not eat pizza. There we go. Speaking of listening yeah. and podcasts, this seems like a good time since we're talking about listening. Yeah. To mention a new, non-competing. <laughs> They're all movie, competing. Yeah. Movie podcast that just came out. They all want to be us, but what do you got? Um, the two guys that do the Greatest Generation uh, Star Trek podcast. Okay. Now have a war movie podcast called Friendly Fire. Oh. Mm. Um, their first episode. They have a little intro episode, and then their first episode was Saving Private Ryan. So, I've yet to listen to it. But knowing them like I do from their other podcasts, it will be humorous, if nothing else. So Okay. Cool. I'm, I might have to yeah. go through and, and check that one out. Getting back to work last week was kind of like I got caught up on all the podcasts I didn't, li- didn't listen to over Christmas. So I'm kind of... Yeah, isn't that crazy how being home, you don't... You have a big backlog. Got a few. Got a few I got add to my add to my list there. And there are a few that I was listening to and I just kind of... I've let them fall by the wayside, so I kind of feel like a, a new year, I need something new, so I'll go check that one out. Cool. Nice. And then if anyone's watching Star Trek Discovery, those same guys have a the Greatest Discovery podcast that they put out the Tuesday after our new episode airs. So okay. You know what? I've, I watched the first episode, and then I haven't had... I think We had the free trial of the CBS yeah. uh, subscription site, and uh, it, we didn't get a chance to finish any other episodes before that went out. So I don't know if, if those if those are coming to Netflix anytime soon. or. But I, I assume they're going to be available in another distribution method after the first season is over. I yeah. just don't know what that's going to look like. So at this point, I think I'm just going to wait till that happens. Because I, I liked the first episode. I liked what I saw. So I'm, and I'm cool is, with sticking around. But I think it will be very well binged. Yeah, that is even a string of words that makes sense. The storyline will allow it. itself to that. I think. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, how's everybody else been doing? I mean, we got. Uh, so I'm first of all, I'm John Reed, and we got everybody else here with me today. We got Bo. Uh, how you doing, Bo? I'm well. Good. I'm well. Good. We got Pat, who is not washing the dishes and not filling up his water bottle. I've done filling up my water bottle, and I'm leaving the dishes to soak. But but rocking the, the Logan look with the facial hair now. <laughs> yeah, now I just need claws to come out of my hands. I'm, okay. I am working on that, though. Okay. All right, the give, it a, is, give, it a, give it a couple more weeks at work. Monday, or 
is it a what, what did you say? Will the facial hair survive to tomorrow, or is it a weekend only thing? No, I think I'll just let it go. Nice. I'll let it go. All Gives right. the kids something to motivate them during their map testing tomorrow. I don't even know why that would make sense I, at all. That doesn't make any it. sense at all. But speaking of letting things go, and we've also got Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wow. I love you, Jeff. I, 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 I feel so unmotivated now. <laughs> I'm good. I just, uh, you know what? <clears throat> I got the flu yesterday. Oh. I, I got my flu shot on Saturday. There you go. And ended up with the flu yesterday. Okay. So okay. that was awesome. Yeah. So spent the most of my day today just sort of playing catch up and trying to feel as though I'm not falling behind on anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Jeff, here's a question. I, you, are, you and your wife are going to have a baby very soon. And, it's true, we are. And I think but, we've, I think we've. Have I mentioned that on the podcast? I think we have. I think we've mentioned that on the podcast. Okay. I think maybe a couple. Not, of, hey, everyone, I'm having a baby. Yeah. Well, my wife's having well, a baby. Yeah, Jeff's having well, a baby. I don't know about his wife, but. I will say congratulations. Although I believe I've said that somewhere else. Yeah. Hey, so, thanks. so have you started? Because I know you've you've had a few firsts. Like you you mentioned, I think you put up on Twitter that you were able to feel the baby kick and you got kicked in the face and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, have you started? Awesome. There it won't be the last time. No. No, uh, they'll do other stuff in your face too. Um, have you started to compile your list of what movies you're going to show this baby first? I, you know what? I've actually been thinking about that and I just, I don't know. Like there are so many movies that I, I, I can't wait to experience watching, uh, with my future son. Yeah. But I also want to make sure like he'll be old enough to kind of appreciate the movie and not just be like, Dad, what's wrong with you? Why are you making me watch this stuff? Right, right. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that being said, I don't know what I'd start with. Okay, you still got a few more years. Yeah. Is it really until they until they can? I, I figure kind of like, I think I have vague memories of being three and seeing Star Wars for the first time. So I think you you, you got until probably about age three or four when they really start to really start to pick up on stuff and and appreciate watching the movies with you and. But that's kind of like, I, I remember thinking through that myself, and that's kind of like the torture that we go through when we make ourselves do like the top five music podcast that we did or the top five whatever lists. And when we force ourselves to do that kind of stuff, it's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. do, you have, do you have a TV show or something that you can binge while you stay up late at night <laughs> while, while helping feed and take care of the baby? Um. Yeah, I got a couple of things queued up on the uh, on the Netflix okay. and on Amazon Prime, so I should be good. Okay, okay. Those are I, I will speak from experience and say those are good to have. There was no Netflix streaming wasn't around when uh, when mine were were growing up, so I had my uh, DVD sets of Smallville. So both kids, that was the late night feeding feeding frenzy show was to watch Smallville with them. Yeah, I mean, depending on the mood, I'll either uh, I'll continue with Andy Griffith's show. Yeah. Because I'm kind of early on with that. Yeah, maybe halfway. And then the other option would be uh, starting 24 all over again. Oh, nice. Don't, oh. don't forget Amazon Prime. I, I got it. Electric Dreams. What the hell is that? Oh, have you started watching that? No, not yet. My, my brother was telling me about it. He's already started with the punk. 
I, I like it. It's Electric Dreams, a sci-fi anthology series with standalone episodes based on the works of Philip K. Dick. It's yep. supposed to be pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. We, we watched the first couple episodes last night, I think. Nice. Um, and, and we're kind of Black Mirror fans anyway, so it's very, if you like Black Mirror, it's very similar. You know, I've been thinking about Black Mirror. and I don't, I, I, don't know any, I don't know that much about it. But my question to you, John, since you've seen it, yeah. is, is it a season-long story arc or is it individual episodes kind of like, um, like Twilight Zone-ish? Mm-hmm. It's, it's individual episodes, but the one thing I really like is they will hide little Easter eggs that run throughout <laughs> all of the stories. Okay. So, just as an example, the stories themselves are one-off stories. They are set in completely different universes from each other, but there will be weird, quirky little things that will show up. There was some stuff in this most recent season. I think this was season three or four, um, and there was some stuff that showed up in this season that were callbacks to things like lines that were throwaway lines in season one. You saw stuff show up in season four. Not necessarily related at all to what happened in the episode in season one, but just the fact that it was mentioned there. If you were really following the show, then you were able to pick up on that stuff, and it was kind of cool. Now, would you say that it would, that would be would be a good one to uh, binge during some late night feeding sessions? I would, unless a uh, image of a dire future will keep you up late at night. Well, if the kid's going to keep me up late at night, then well, that, I mean, that is my dire future. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a good one. I mean, there's not the only downside to that one is there's not a lot of episodes. It's a British show, so there's only maybe what six or maybe eight per season. So they, they the seasons will go by pretty quick if you're binging it. But yeah, I think that would right. definitely that would definitely be like, a good one to binge because you can watch a couple of episodes and then you can leave it for a while and come back and not feel like you've missed out on any story. Since they're all kind all right. of since they're all cool. kind of one and done episodes anyway, then. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really like that show. We've we started watching it a couple years ago on Netflix when we spotted it on there, and I don't know. Somebody told me about it and said, you know, if you like Twilight Zone kind of stuff, then you'll like this show. And uh, so we gave it a try, and and we really like it. And I think we finished this newest season just within a couple of days. Um, and then as soon as we heard about the Electric Dream ones on Am- Electric Dreams one on Amazon, I wanted to check that out, and it's been pretty good too. So all good things, all plenty of stuff to to binge, whether it's whether it's pre baby or or post baby. All right, I'll add it to my queue. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we dive on into? Should we go to Japan, gentlemen? Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Japan. Let's travel to Japan. So this time around, we are going to be looking at. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about anime, and we've got two movies we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, two movies on totally different ends of the spectrum, although they are both anime. Um, they're they're slightly different from each other, we could say. Um, and mm. the first one we're going to start with. Let's. We're going to go ahead and start with uh, My Neighbor Totoro. So with My Neighbor Totoro, I'm going to start off by saying I had never seen this movie before. Get out. Yeah. No, this was the very first time I had ever seen this movie. Pat, have you ever seen it before? Um, no. Beyond this, this is, the, this is the first time I've seen it, too. Well, my goodness. I'm, and I'm very excited. I don't want to preempt the but I'm very excited because I think you're, you watch a lot of anime, correct? I, I watched some. I'm, I, I've seen this one before. Okay. For okay. sure. I mean, I, 
I tend to lean towards uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, so I've seen a lot of uh, Miyazaki's works. Okay. Not, cool. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised I'm the only one that has seen this before. Well, yeah. this was your first time as well? Yeah, I was kind of wondering. Dennis was the one I was curious about to see if he'd seen it. Is that it? have to ask him later yeah yeah no this was um and and there's a lot of these movies that i know i've i've maybe seen clips of or i've seen like a little just a little bit of here and there and there are times where they will re-release these in the theater as like those fathom events where you can go to the theater and and see these again and Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm always looking at those going i would love to go see these in the theater whenever they do one of those like uh, film series ones where they show a whole bunch of them. I, I, I feel like this would just be a, that would be a good opportunity to sit down and just get saturated by these movies because I always hear good things about them. Um, I always have friends that have seen them and just rave about Miyazaki's movies. And I've read about Miyazaki and, and his movies, but I've never actually seen any of them until today. And, and we've got, you know, family friends that have been trying to convince us to watch this movie with them for, you know, couple years now and and they said oh the kids would love it our kids love it and and i posted up on facebook and said you know this is the movie this is the movie we're going to be talking about on our podcast this week and had relatives and other people post up back and say oh this was one of my favorites growing up as a kid so yeah i don't it just i don't know if it just came out late enough and wasn't necessarily on you know my family's radar enough for it to be something that i would have seen as a kid um, mm-hmm. now did you, Jeff, did you see this at a younger age or was it more recent? Uh, probably, well, definitely within the last 10 years was the first time that I saw it. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't see much of, um, God, well, I'm trying to remember what the, this wasn't the first movie of his that I saw, Okay. but after I saw Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, I definitely wanted to check out more. So that's when I found uh, Totoro. Yeah. Got it. So a couple things about anime in particular, before we even before we even jump too much further into the Totoro movie, is anime something that you tend to seek out anyway now jeff you you said you've seen several of miyazaki's movies is it are you a miyazaki fan or are you an anime fan would you i'm a i'm a miyazaki fan okay so you're not necessarily i don't have anything against anime yeah um it's not a a style that i usually go for um but that being said you know i uh, another time when we talk about our our cartoons from our past you know you look back at some of the cartoons we you, we watched when we were growing up, and a lot of them were either anime because the American studio had hired a, a, a Japanese studio to do the animation, or anime because an American studio just lifted something that another studio had already done and redubbed it. Yeah. So, I th- you know, as far as anime goes, that's probably... That's probably the extent of it for me is usually just Miyazaki films or old cartoons. Okay. All right. What about Pat or Bo? What about you? You guys, is anime something that you gravitate toward or? Not consciously, no. Okay. Most of my experience with anime 
would be would be the two movies we watched today or for this for this podcast really movie wise I don't think I've seen much at all I know there were some um, I know some of the cartoons I grew up with were animated in Japan but they weren't in that anime style so I don't think it counts yeah I don't know. I don't know if it has to be. I, I'm, it may just be that the only requirement for it is that it's animated in Japan. I don't know that it has to be a particular. If it has to be the the same style as some of the others. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess there's a whole bunch of things that would fall under that umbrella. Pat, what about you? Is this is this something that you, you know, knowing that I, you uh, also have liked a whole bunch of cartoons like Thundercats and and Transformers and that kind of stuff, is this something that you have branched out and and watched any other anime stuff? Um, yeah, I have, and I wish I would have watched more. But it's kind of like, and I, well, I I don't want to say wished. I can do it anytime I want. So I'm actually after seeing these, I'm really excited to to go check out some more anime and. I didn't know as much about it. I mean, I really, you know, uh, grown up, obviously, Transformers, and, and um, I don't know if anyone remembers the cartoon Transor Z. A um, little bit, yeah. I, I love Transor Z. And so I, I, I really kind of liked a little bit of the anime cartoons. And then it was in high school, and getting into college, I had a couple friends, like, in both locations that were pretty big into to anime. Not necessarily all of it, but they had like their favorite ones. And then it was just like comics where, you know, um, I would read whatever my buddy would pass me. Dude, you got to read these comics. And I'd read those comics. And so, you know, I basically saw, I, I guess you could say a mix of different anime based on like what my friends are like, oh, you haven't seen this one yet? You got to see this one. And so, yeah, I think I've seen, I don't want to say a fair amount because I'm, I'm definitely a novice, but I've seen a number of it from different I don't know what you'd say, artists or filmmakers or whatever. And uh, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I'm definitely a fan. So is there a, of, of different anime movies that you've seen, do you have any that you'd say would be like your top couple? You know, your top like one or two favorites? Well, I'll tell you, um, there was one called Vampire Hunter D. Okay. And that one was really that one was really cool. I think I, I vaguely remember seeing that one. It. Yeah. You, you you said you've seen it? I vaguely remember seeing that. I had some friends when I lived over in England. I had some friends that were you know, that was kind of I was in middle school at the time and I had some friends that were big anime fans. That, a lot of they would read a lot of manga. Um yeah. so they were a little bit more into the into the print side of it than they were the movies, but I I kind of vaguely remember watching a little bit of uh Vampire Hunter D at, at their house. Yeah, um, but yeah, Vampire Hunter, he was good. And then, um, I, you know, I'll tell you the other one, I'll tell you the other one, I don't want to preempt it say, well, Akira, but that was one of the, one of the first ones I saw. Vampire Hunter D was good. Um, uh, is it, uh, I think it's Ghost in the Shell. That one yeah. was really good. Yeah, I read the comic um, of that one. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, and Ghost in the Shell is very cool. I think there was another one. I think it's about a hitman. I mean, all the things are running together, but there was like a series of them called The Crying Freeman. Yes. The Crying Freeman. I've heard of those, yeah. And, and those, were, uh, those were pretty intense. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess those would be the top ones that I remember seeing um, as a kid. And, and I got just branching out, like I said, I mean, you know, Transor Z, Robotech, um, 
I, I dug all that stuff. Or what is it called? Robotech. I do remember that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, man. And I think, what is it called? Like Macros, Macross now? And um, uh, so that stuff was good. And then, and then this is kind of branching the other direction. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Matrix movies. And mm-hmm. I loved the Animatrix. Yeah. I don't know if anyone saw that. Yep. But, oh, my gosh. That, that, that was some... There was some awesome stuff in there. I went so, out. I went out and bought that DVD the day it came out, the Animatrix one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, real slick stuff. So I'm kind of I'm kind of rambling, but yeah, that's kind of like I just named all the stuff that I remember, like my buddies showing me, and I was fans of it. And uh, I, you know, I, I kind of like I could binge on it, and then it's like, okay, I kind of need to take a break. Yeah. And then I could binge a little bit more on it, and okay, I need to take a break. So. I will say the first movie that I can remember that is a, a distinctly anime movie was uh, 1982. There was an anime version of The Wizard of Oz. And Jeff, I think I was talking to you about this the other day. I think I might have seen that version of The Wizard of Oz more than I've seen the uh, the movie version that everybody knows so well. I'm going to have to look it up to see if I can find it because I'm very intrigued. It's I, I feel like I found it on YouTube not that long ago. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it again. But I, I feel like I found the entire thing on YouTube not that long ago. But I, I just remember, I remember watching that so many times as a kid. I feel like, I don't know if we taped it from TV or if we bought the VHS tape, but I just remember watching that thing over and over and over again as a kid. My sister and I both loved it. Um, and that would be the one, that probably be the first movie I could think of that I think of as being a distinctly anime. You know, if I... Because I don't, I, as a kid growing up, I didn't think of like Transformers and Thundercats and all those as anime. Um, mm-hmm. So if I think right. of one in particular that is specifically anime, probably that one. And, and if I had to think of my favorites, just because I don't have as much experience with them, um, you know, Akira is one that I've seen several times and, and saw as a kid, although I shouldn't have seen it as a kid. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, Akira's is is up there, and then the Wizard of Oz from '82 is up there, and Totoro. I, this one or Totoro, I, I keep saying it wrong. I think it's Totoro. Um, you know that one. We watched it with the kids the other day, and just I thought it was awesome. You know, and my I, I'm I'm not going to read it until later. But my feelings, I, I read what Roger Ebert said in his summary of this movie, and I agree with every single thing he said about it. But I'll I'll read that a little bit later for us uh, once we okay. kind of get into it. So, gotcha. what about Totoro? What about, I mean, this, this is, I think, one of the rare times that a movie has been successful. You know, a lot of anime movies, I feel like it's, they become very, you know, cult movies. That it's, it's only a certain, maybe only appealing to a certain crowd. But I kind of feel like this one has a very broad general appeal. Um, you know, and, and I didn't realize that the character of Totoro is I was reading a couple of things on it that the character of Totoro is just as recognizable in Japan as Mickey Mouse or Winnie the Pooh would be in either America or England. Um, So I I was not aware of that. But um, what is it about this movie that makes it just fun? Jeff, you might have seen it more than the rest of us. Um, You know, I've... I don't know what it is about Miyazaki's style. I guess for him, his stories from come from a uh, more of a personal place. 
So I think that translates into what we experience when we watch his movies. Is it's not just an animated story, but there's something personal about the story, it's, and which makes the whole thing um, just kind of endearing. I, I read something that this movie is actually, for him, is very autobiographical. Yeah, I think it had something to do with the fact that when uh, when he was a kid, his mom was uh, was sick, just like the uh, the mother in this movie, and he and his brother are kind of the two characters, the two daughters that are um, that are in this movie. So I don't know how much of it was. How, as a child, he he found a way to escape. So I don't know if if he's depicting what he thought about or what he did when he was a child, or if he's if he created this as a way to give hope to children that may be dealing with something or suffering from something and need advice on how to deal, how to how to cope, how to escape. Yeah. One thing I thought was really interesting about this movie in particular, and from what I've read a lot of Miyazaki's other movies, is that he does that in such a way, he has the characters deal with ideas of courage or friendship or overcoming some kind of obstacle without any kind of villain at all in his movies. Yeah, you posted that question, and I do have a thought about it, but I don't want to hijack the conversation. Sure. um, let's get some, I, I want to hear some, uh, initial feedback or initial thoughts from, uh, from Pat and Bo about what they thought after watching Totoro. Yeah. Bo, what was your take on it? Your, your initial take on it? It was fun. Um, how can you not like the Totoro character? I mean, he's just a fun, fun little guy they can go run to when they need help. And the cat bus is cool and. The, the themes are certainly uplifting. I mean, you know, the, the, the little girl just wants to go see her mom, and then she gets to see her mom. And, um, they, they find this friend early on in a new home when they could be, you know, they could be lonely. It, it, was, it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was uh, something different for me. I had never seen anything quite like it. I, I enjoyed it. I, um, you know, it's funny, I, I was watching that, I was watching it, and, and when the comment came that there's really no bad guy, that kind of fell into place, because I was sitting there kind of watching this, and I thought, like, well, okay, and, and again, I'm talking about, like, I had this feeling for maybe a minute or two, it, 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 it didn't prevail throughout, but I was kind of like, okay, what's going on here, like, what is, are we just watching these kids move, I, I mean, are they going to try, you know, how does this, how does this fit together? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the, the crux of this story? You know, like, what's going to be driving this thing ahead? And I was just like, you know, I hope it is, I hope it's not just them exploring for the, you know, for the next hour and a half. And then as soon as it took off, you know, it was like, that just fell into place. And it was like, oh, wow, this is cool. This is, you know, it, it deals with fantasy, but the kids are dealing with very real problems. And John, you know, or Jeff, 
when you were saying that you know his stuff is autobiographical and it always has a it deals with themes of courage and 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 people trying to overcome things in this they weren't like taking swords and and shooting flaming arrows and going out on a quest this seemed to be very real okay there was a you know the eldest child having to be kind of like the the mother of the house the youngest child you know exploring her surroundings um, oh my gosh, someone gets lost. Now we have to have the courage to go out and find them. Okay, mom might, you know, they're worried that their mom might die, so they have to deal with that courage. You know, the dad's trying to keep the family together. You know, uh, for example, like the scene with the windstorm, you know, when they're in there and it's just like shaking the walls and they're all in the bath. That was a little odd, I just have to say, but, you know, they were all in the bath together and the dad's kind of getting a little spooked too, but then he's like, you just have to laugh. You know, he has to be, he has to show courage because he's the only parent for these two girls. So I thought it was cool that in this film, all of the courage that they had to deal with was things that people in real life would have to deal with. You know, we're not all going to be out on a quest somewhere and have some weird, like, alien thing trying to take over and get into, like, a, a, a gunfight with, you know, ninjas with ESP and all these kind of fantastical things that go on. But we might have to deal with a loss of a loved one or a child that runs away or, you know, something like that. Or not runs away, but gets lost. So I just found that as much of a fantasy as it was, the problems that they dealt with were real-life problems. So Yeah, that was something I was going to – you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that, that it really did an excellent job <laughs> of presenting some very adult issues and some very adult problems but in a way that I think would really help a young child view it or deal with it in some way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, it, watching as an adult I mean I didn't see this movie as a child um but watching as an adult I mean I I was worried when the little girl goes missing and all of a sudden they find a sandal in the middle of a pond oh now, my gosh now at the same time I'm thinking okay I've already read a few things about this movie. It, it's not going to take a dark turn, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, that's that's some pretty scary stuff. Or the idea of yeah. the mom being sick, and and you know, I as much as I sometimes will read up stuff uh, about these movies that we watch, I really try not to find out what happens in the end of the movie. So I had no clue mm-hmm. if the mom was going to die. But mm-hmm. it it almost felt like just like you were saying, Pat. It almost felt like the way they handled everything in this movie. If she had, if the mother had passed away, if it had been a story of the mother being sick and the girls don't know how sick she is and she had passed away, I think it would have been fine. I think it would have been, it would have still shown them how to deal with something very hard, but couch it in such a way that the even young young children could understand some of what's going on and, and find some way to deal with it or cope with it. And I just, I just thought it was a lot of it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and I'm going to echo Jeff's comment of not wanting to hijack the conversation with my thoughts, but it's funny whenever I watch, when I watched this movie, I was filled with just this feeling of peace and, and it was like, wow, I'm just kind of chill about it. Okay. Yeah. There's the weird, like little dust, dark little blob guys. Yeah, but it's kind of cool. They're cool. They're hanging out in the house. That's fun. You know, the surroundings. I mean, I know it was anime, but I just found it such so, so beautifully drawn. 
those those views of nature it just made me want to get out and like go see the trees and i and i think it's with the sound effects with the way the characters are written and then obviously with the music that had those real uh beautiful themes I really, uh, I just watched it and I was just kind of chill. And so it was funny because like, like circling back, I was watching, I'm like, okay, when's this going to take off? What's going to happen? Is there going to be a bad guy? Is, that, is the neighbor kid going to be a bully? Uh, is, you know, what's, what's happening? And then it, I was like, hey man, you know what? I just chill out and just check this out. It, it's all good. You know, I just, just relax and watch the movie. And so I was just very relaxed watching this movie, so it was it was cool. Yeah. Was cool. Did Did you watch it with the kids? I did not. Okay. Um, we didn't. Um, we didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to. And I always, uh, I I tend to preview things before I watch them with the kids. And I mean, I know that this thing is like a quote unquote kids movie, but um, yeah, I always tend to preview them. But I, I told the as soon as I got done watching it, like the next morning, I'm like. Next movie night, I got the movie. And they're like, well, what is it? And I told them, and they're like, well, what is it about? I'm just yeah. like, you got to watch it. And they're big, into po- they're big into Pokemon and all that kind of stuff, so I think they'd really like this. So Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. watched it with my kids, and uh, Nora really, really liked it. I, uh, John's, like, he's in that preteen age where I have no clue what he's thinking. So um, mm-hmm. the only comment I think I got from him, I think he enjoyed it. I mean, he was, he paid attention the entire time. He didn't walk off and, and go do anything else. But uh, the only comment I the only verbal comment I got from him, him was, uh, yeah, I couldn't do the cat bus. I'd be sneezing the whole time. Okay. Well, it, it, <laughs> it's a fantasy world. So maybe it's a non, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's a like, non-allergic. It's a yeah. It's hypoallergenic cat bus. It's probably fine. It's all magic anyway. So yeah, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'd be sneezing. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, I, I do want to read for you guys, Roger Ebert's Mr. tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what, like what he's turned into. And I like how your impression of him, like, I like how your impression of him, his voice has dropped like two octaves from the last time you did an impression of him. It has, yeah. Yeah. Well, because, so, you know, he's... he's sorry, like, Jeff, I cut you off. Well, I was, before you get to Ebert... Yeah, I, go. I want to throw something out there in terms of this, or, or regarding this idea of there being no villain. Um, in this movie, and I, I would argue in uh, the movie Spirited Away... And maybe even to a, a slight extent, uh, Princess Mononoke. I think that uh, you could say that the villain is adulthood, mm. mm-hmm. and and the things that could happen to us when when we're grown-ups. Whether it's something in our control or something that's a result of choices we've made. That sometimes, growing up, we lose sight. You know, we 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 lose sight of certain things, and the impact can have on on our young people. So I think in this movie's case, the the villain would be the idea of what happens when the adult is sick and is away from the family. So you know the 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 you know the villain would be illness. Yeah. Um, spirited away, I would say that just, you know what happens when the 
uh, the villain is um, just the idea of growing up and, and, and forgetting what it means to, to be a kid or be able to at least look at things through the eyes of a child. Yeah. So as much as there's no standout villain character, I do think that in, in some cases the antagonist would be just adulting adulthood. Yeah. So I don't know. I did. Would you agree with that based on what you saw in this movie or would you guys think that I'm maybe off my rocker a little bit? No. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with you. Um, and it was yeah, kind of, definitely. I, it was kind of refreshing not to have a villain, you know, not to have like an actual physical villain that you have to either fight against or oppose in some way or some, you know, evil adult that's embodying all the problems that they've got, but it's, it's just more of an abstract, you know, cause it, it's not always the case that in real life, you know, there's not always a physical person opposing you or, or putting obstacles in your path, but just sometimes life is your obstacle. And yeah, we all have our own personal El Wapo. For some there of goes. us, <laughs> learning to read is El Wapo. <laughs> no, but I, I I totally get what you're saying, Jeff. I think that makes all the sense in the world, and I think that just that just makes the movie seem that much more real. Even though we're dealing with fantasy, it makes the movie that much more real because there is, you know, it's real real villains, if you will, yeah. that, that, you'll most, that you'll usually see in everyday life. Again, you know, like the gang of ninjas, you probably won't fight that. Someone getting sick in the family, you very well could. So it's, um, it just seems more real. So, Bo, do you feel like you, do you feel like this movie was still a decent one, even though there was no villain in it? I mean, did you, Pat, yeah. Pat kind of, you know, Pat kind of, I think he said what, what we're mostly thinking and, and that it was just, it was very peaceful to watch this movie and there were still problems, but they were dealt with in a different way. Exactly. I, I don't think a movie has to have a villain. I think it can be, um, it can be a situation, it can be the problem just as easily. And I think that's what happens here. I think you're, and they're, you know, Adulting is certainly one dealing with, and, and I suppose you could you could sum it all up as adulting. But I mean, there are a lot of situations here. There's there's um, dealing with a sick parent. There's the kid that runs away, kind of sort of going missing for a little while. There's a lot going on uh, in the movie um, that it does where it doesn't need that conflict of an actual villain. Um, what surprises me, and maybe I don't watch enough of the, enough of this style of movie to know that this is just sort of how it is. I'm actually surprised they didn't roll a little more um, disbelief about Totoro into some of the conflict is the wrong word, but you know everyone just sort of. Oh yeah, Totoro. Cool. Yeah, but I think that's very cultural. True, and I, I, you know, like I said, I think that's part of my part of me just not. 
I mean, you, you'll find in a lot of uh, Miyazaki films, he he relies heavily on a lot of of fantasy and spiritual influences in his storytelling, which you know stems greatly out of out of the Japanese culture. There, uh, there was a great documentary on Netflix, and I'm bummed that I only caught the first half of it. It was called The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Came out in like 2013, 14-ish. And basically it was just a behind-the-scenes, it was a two-hour documentary, and it was like a, a behind-the-scenes look at Miyazaki prepping a couple of movies hmm. at his studio. And just you know, really getting a sense of how he viewed the daily activity and, and what he looked for in um, trying to tell the perfect story that, that he was after. So I really hope that eventually that comes back to Netflix. Cause I would love to, um, I'd love to be able to finish seeing it. Like I said, I only caught the first half or so, Yeah, well, but it was pretty fascinating. What was the title again? The kingdom of dreams and madness. Okay. I'll go look for that. Yeah, a couple of things that I was reading was um, that he was very involved, up until even just a few years ago, that he was very involved in nearly every step of the process in making yeah. his movies. So I did want to read uh, this quick little summary of how Roger Ebert described this movie, because I, I think it sums up a lot of what we've been saying very, very well. Ebert said... Here And he, I think both he and Siskel enjoyed this movie, both of them. Um, so Ebert said, Here is a children's film made for the world we should live in rather than the one we occupy. A film with no villains, no fight scenes, no evil adults, no fighting between the two kids, no scary monsters, no darkness before the dawn, a world that is benign. A world where if you meet a strange towering creature in the forest, you curl up on its tummy and you have a nap. And I like that. Cool. I think it kind of. I think it kind of summed up when when I saw that. I, I didn't read that until after I had watched the movie, and I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, that. I think that was kind of everything that I felt. You know, you had these two. You know, the sisters that are going through all this together, and they're not fighting each other. I mean, they might have an argument here or there, but it's. You know, it, it's. They take care of each other, and yeah. you don't have fight scenes. You don't have adults that are necessarily getting in the way. You know, they're not they're not being an obstacle to these kids. It's the situations that these kids are being put into the monsters, not being scary. You know, one of the first times I was a little bit worried, uh, cause I did watch this with the kids and, uh, the first time they mentioned with those little dust, the little soot sprites, um, mm-hmm. the first time they mentioned it, they called them gremlins. Okay, well, Nora is not a big fan of the movie gremlins. She's never really seen it, but her brother tells her about it all the time. Yeah. Because uh, I guess he's seen it somewhere. I don't know if it was at my sister's house or where, but he has seen it. So he has since shared his knowledge of gremlins with his sister, and, and she cannot stand it. So that kind of started to freak her out. So I could kind of tell the first time that Totoro started growling, you know, she was a little bit unsure of what was happening here. And, and you know, if he was a good, I mean, he was huge. So is he good monster? Is he bad monster? He might be a little scary. The, how they kept repeating that they thought they were living in a haunted house that just, and again, like you said, Jeff, it, it's maybe something a little more cultural. The whole idea of anybody being okay with living in a haunted house just 
was freaking her out a little bit. Um, you know, but as you go further on with this movie, nearly everything in this movie is telling you it's okay. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think if you could sum up this movie in a phrase, it would be, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the soot sprites do show up in another one of his movies. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, this this movie has made me want to. I mean, I wanted to anyway to go see more Miyazaki movies, but you know, this movie in, in just the way that this movie is different, it just is compared with a lot of other movies and, and animated movies. It just it's kind of a it's kind of a breath of fresh air. It's a little bit of a break. You know, I I, I don't mind. We're going to talk uh, Akira next, and I love that movie, but this is just something that if you just if you just need a break from all the stuff that we normally have in Hollywood movies and animated movies. I think this one is just, it's just a nice, you can watch it and it's peaceful and it feels okay. Yeah. So Jeff, I'm going to ask the question that you have Uh, already expressed that you hate me for asking. I, you know, and (laughs) when you texted, when you sent out that text saying that you were going to put together some, some talking points, I was just like, you know, He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna make us choose. Yeah, he's gonna do that. He's, yeah. gonna, have, he's gonna make us choose. Yeah. I don't want to play this game. Yeah, I don't like playing this game, but he's gonna make <laughs> us do it. Okay. Um, if you had now, then Jeff, you may be the only one who can answer this because you've had more experience with these movies than the rest of us. Um, this being the only one that I've seen all the way through. Um, if you had, so you you may be just recommending to the rest of us here on the podcast. If you had to recommend a movie to start with when watching Miyazaki movies, other than maybe My Neighbor Totoro, um, what one movie would you recommend somebody start with? What is, is there one in particular that just really embodies what you love about Miyazaki? I think that a popular answer would be Kiki's Delivery Service. Okay. But I think my answer, I would have to probably say Spirited Away. Okay. I really enjoy Spirited Away. So I would say start there, because I think that really encompasses a lot of, just a lot of his his style of storytelling. So, yeah, start with that. Okay. Spirited away. Um, I mean, a lot of his movies are great. Um, Princess Mononoke is great. Porco Rosso is fantastic. That one came out, I think, early '90s. Um, Howl's Moving Castle is is a beautiful film. Um, I did not get a chance to see The Wind Rises, which uh, just came out a couple of years ago. The last most recent Miyazaki that I saw was in uh, 2010-ish, maybe a little before. Okay. Um, Ponyo. Okay. And I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And I feel as though it was because there was too much American influence. Okay. Um, John Lasseter, who up until a short while ago uh, was running Pixar, um, 
huge fan of of Miyazaki and really is is responsible for a lot of American audiences getting to see a lot of Miyazaki films distributed in the U.S. Um, so he had worked with Miyazaki together on this movie Ponyo, which I feel, you know, as much as he was a big fan, I got the sense that um, Miyazaki wasn't able to truly do what he does best. And because of that, I feel that movie suffered a little bit. Okay. But, um, yeah, I'd say start with uh, Spirited Away. Um, go back then and check out Princess Mononoke, a little bit, uh, little bit different feel. Check out Porco Rosso, Kiki's Delivery Service. In fact, I'm going to look this up. I think a lot of these we're going to get to. Yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service is 89. Yeah. Porco Rosso's 92. Yeah, we got a lot of them coming up. 97. So we've got a lot of great Miyazaki films coming up as long as we uh, keep this podcast going. Yeah. Awesome. All right. The rest of us, I don't think we've seen enough of these to probably recommend. So I think think we'll leave that to be. I've. Princess Mononoke was one of the first ones I saw. Was it okay? Uh, uh, and not Miyazaki films, but uh, anime. Yeah. And uh, I can second what Jeff said. I mean, it's it's really a cool film. Yeah. It's beautiful film. All all these films are, are have have a beauty to them that you just don't get out of uh, just out of a, a lot of animated movies. There, there there's something to them that they're just you know, gorgeous pieces of work. Yeah. Visually, well, but then also visually, but even in sound, even the sound, and I think it's probably soundtracks choices, but just the sound effects, uh, you know, yeah. that some of the different creatures make and, you know, you hear the wind and the trees and the leaves rustling and, <coughs> you know, it's, um, they, they are, they're just beautiful, beautiful pieces of work. Well, before we move on to our next, um, maybe a different type of beauty, is there any final thoughts we want to say about uh, about my neighbor, uh, Totoro? Uh, everyone should see it. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was fun. I'm, it's definitely a new type of movie for me, and it was fun. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it, I'm assuming we've all seen Toy Story 3. I, mm-hmm. I saw yes. something about that. Yeah, I haven't. So, I no, I actually haven't seen it. There's a, a point where Woody um, ends up in someone else's someone else's home, and this little girl's got a lot of stuffed toys and what have you. And one of the stuffed toys she has on her bed or or somewhere in her room is a stuffed uh, stuffed Totoro. So they threw that that little reference into Toy Story three. Nice. Yeah, I still have not seen. I got to see Toy Story three before Toy Story four comes out. Um, is I, I read that somewhere as as it was an Easter egg in the movie. So now I I'll actually be able to recognize yeah. it when I see it. It made me really happy to see it when uh, first time I saw Toy yeah. Story three. I was like, oh, it's Totoro. And yeah. of course, people are looking at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Leave me alone, people. You all suck. Leave me alone, people. Get informed. Yeah. 
So, um, so Totoro is, is the kind of lovable creature that, you know, as, as Roger Ebert said, you could just curl up in its tummy and take a nap. So, um, we're going to move into our next movie, our, our next anime movie for this episode. And uh, would you curl up and take a nap on Tetsuo's tummy? Uh, no. No? No? <laughs> nope. So our I'd next one... I'd be afraid one, it would try to kill me. Try to eat you, try to just suck you in with the rest of that. This movie... Okay, so we're, we're talking Akira. Akira is our other movie for this episode. And this movie was probably... I don't say probably. It was the first cartoon that I ever saw that was not for kids. And yeah. I saw it at probably, I mean, that's putting it lightly. Um, I was probably 11 or 12, maybe, Oof. when I first Oof. saw this. And and I had some friends who, I mean, they they loved anime and they loved manga and, and they, you know, they collected everything. And, and they were, you know, some of the first people that kind of got me really seriously into comic books as well. And, uh, you know, so we would, that was kind of the, you know, if you really wanted like, sneak those comic books that were not appropriate for you to be reading. It was always going to be the, the manga comic books. You know, they were always going to deal with, they were going to be more violent and they were going to be more, you know, you know, have all the stuff that as a kid, you probably weren't supposed to be reading. Um, and I don't remember how I managed to get, I don't know if I tricked my parents into them thinking that this was just a normal cartoon and let me rent it from the video store. I don't know how I saw my, my first time watching this movie. I don't know how I saw it. Um, I don't think it was at a friend's house. I think I remember watching it by myself at home when I was living in England. Um, but I remember watching this movie and, and for the very first time experiencing a cartoon that was definitely not a children's cartoon. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's why this one, if I had to, if I had to list now, see, I don't, I don't know that I want to say that this is my favorite anime movie, but this is the one that I think has maybe had the biggest it's the most memorable for me. I think it probably had the biggest impact on me in terms of recognizing that a piece of that genre um, was just, it seemed like every moment I was watching this movie, my my very young little mind was just going, what the heck am I watching? Mm-hmm. This is kind I think it's fun. Um, there's motorcycles and there's fighting and there's, wow, haven't seen that in a cartoon before. Okay. Um you know, so I think it was kind of a lot of that, and and I really, you know, I really liked it. I thought, okay, well, this is cool. I I want to see more stuff like this. Um, so that was probably my first experience seeing this. Did anybody else see this at a younger age, or was this something that you saw, you know, for the first time, maybe more recently? And for any of you, it, was this the first time you ever saw Akira? First time I saw it. Okay. This, this weekend. Okay. So what was your what was your take on it? So this being the first time you saw it. It was cool. I liked it a lot. I think I need to watch it again. I only got to watch it like one and a half times before. Uh, There's a lot going on. We got together to talk, so I feel like I need to see it again. Because there is. There's a lot to unpack, and there's a lot of stuff I feel like on the first watch you miss. Um, but it was good. I liked it a lot. I, it was very good. What about you, Jeff? Oh, Jeff, yeah. Is this the first time you saw it, or... Uh, the first time that I saw this movie was this afternoon. Okay. Okay. And I found it to be a little bit too long. Okay. For my liking. Um, I don't necessarily know that I'd watch this one again. 
I mean, maybe I would just to help get a better sense of the story. Um, I just felt like there were there were things going on. It was just a very drawn out movie longer than it needed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't even get to explaining who Akira was until I think like over an hour into the movie when yeah. finally um, someone was like, who is Akira anyway? Yeah, it is a slow build. And I was like, some... I was like, finally, someone asked the question. Yeah, and then I, I don't know. I just, I, I just felt like it was definitely drawn out longer than I was comfortable watching. After, so I had a couple of things going on at the house today as I was trying to watch this. So I'd kept starting and restarting and restarting and restarting, and finally was able to just start it over from the beginning, and made it about an hour and a half in. And the last half hour, I just sort of tuned out and was like, I don't really care enough right now to want to focus, want to finish the movie because I'm interested. I wanted to finish the movie because my OCD was kicking in and I didn't want to leave something <laughs> unfinished. <laughs> so that was, that was my, my problem with it. It's just it, it seemed to have a lot more going on than it needed to. Is is two hours is two hours plus too long for an animated movie? I don't think so. I mean, do you think I've, I've wondered that sometimes? Where I and I don't know if that's just me. I, sometimes I have a little less patience for an animated movie going long than I do for a live action movie. I think that it just kind of depends on, um, you know, what's the story that's being told. Yeah. And how solid is this story being told? I just felt like there wasn't a lot of clarity to this story. Now, granted, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that I need it spelled out for me in the first five minutes. But at the same time. The first 60, maybe. Yeah, yep. maybe in the first <laughs> hour or so, give me a little bit of a clue as to, you know, what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I was even struggling. Like every time I started, like kind of rooting for somebody, I'm like, well, I don't know if I should be rooting for them. Mm-hmm. I just don't know anything about any of these characters, or other than the fact that it's, you know, thirty years after uh, World War Three, and apparently motorcycle gangs are taking over New Tokyo and. There seems to be a lot of, of, of like a, a failed dystopian society. And no one has a clue what's going on. And all of a sudden they're worried about this Acura guy that people seem to be afraid of, but no one's explaining why. Yeah. So, Pat, this, this movie has motorcycles. Yes, it does. Yes, it does indeed. I think I saw this first time, like my, not freshman year. I saw it sometime in college. No, well, maybe it was high school. I don't know. This was, this was one of the first anime I saw as well. I wasn't like uh, uh, 11, um, but I wasn't an adult either. So, I mean, I was, I was somewhere, you know, roughly 18 
when I saw it. Um, and yeah, I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it since then. And this was the first time I sat down and I think I watched it cover to cover again. Um, and my reaction was very much the same as when I saw it the first time was, man, even animated motorcycles are really cool. <laughs> and uh, so that kind of carried me through a lot of the, um, a lot of the, a lot of the um, down spots was that they always did come back to the motorcycles. Now, unfortunately, they were riding the motorcycles and trying to beat the, you know, beat the brains out of the rival gang and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the bike scenes, they, they were pretty cool. And so that was fun. Um, as far as the bigger story, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get hung up on it. Like, geez, can we move it along? I, I didn't, but I could see where someone would. I mean, I, I mean, I, what Jeff was saying, I think makes a lot of sense because it does, it, it is just kind of like, why are we caring about these characters? You know, who is that guy? What is going on? Just give me something, some solid ground to, uh, to stand on. Um, yeah, I could see that, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't bug me. Um, definitely a weird movie, definitely a, a dark, a dark story. Um, I don't, I don't know that it had a happy ending. Maybe it did. I mean, you know, I, you know, they seem to control the, whatever the Acura thing was. They, they seem to, um, well, maybe there, maybe there will be a happy whatever. ending someday. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of like, I, I am a sap. I mean, I do like seeing, uh, a little bit more of the happy ending and the good guys winning and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, uh, it definitely kept my attention. And, um, like I said, I remember seeing it as one of the first anime I saw. And it's, and I guess it probably speaks to the complexity of the story. When I watched it, I was like, okay, I remember this scene. I remember this part. I remember this, but dude, I don't remember any of this fitting together from when I first saw it. So I think you know, there's a really good chance I saw it the first time and was just like, I don't know what I just watched. But it was cool. And I think that was, you know, just that slow build and, and very elaborate, or I guess some would say convoluted story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I liked it. Well, and as much as I, you know, as much as I enjoy this movie... Um, there were definitely times, and each time I watched it, you know, there are definitely times in the middle there where it it does lag a bit. And and I, Jeff, I was kind of feeling the same way because I hadn't seen it again. I mean, it's probably been at least ten or twelve years, maybe since I had seen this again. And so I was watching it again this last time, and there were some moments where I was like, okay, let's. Um, I know there's a big fight thing coming up, so let's. Uh, you know, I. I I know about enough of the story that I need to know. We can we can kind of some of this stuff's a little repetitive, so we can kind of skip through a little bit of this maybe, and uh, let's let's move it along here. So there were some times that you know it was, even for me who I've seen this several times and I I really enjoy it. I did feel the lag there, kind of in the middle or the you know got about two thirds of the way through the movie or so, and uh, kind of needed some things to speed up a little bit. Now mm-hmm. I I will say that the comic book version of this they had to cut a lot from the comic book um there is there's just so much more going on in the comic um there's a total of six volumes and this comic Mm -hmm. ran from i want to say it ran almost the entire decade of the 80s um okay so it really kind of stretched a lot of the cultural stuff that was going on in the comic book that you end up seeing you know in the movie um it, it really, 
it really kind of went along with most of the 80s in Japan because it was it, it spanned the 80s. It started in uh, I think 82 and I think it ran until about 1990. Yeah, it ended with yeah, here it is. I pulled it up just now. It um ended in 1990. So the actual comic itself went until even after the movie had come out. Um and so it it dealt with in fact I think most of the events of the movie and I mm-hmm. You know what? I think I've read most of the comic, but not necessarily all of it. I want to say most of the events of the movie take a little bit here and there from from maybe the the first few volumes. But I want to say okay. that the last volume of the comic really kind of it, it's not something that is covered in the movie. I mean, obviously because it came out okay. after, but you know he had both both the the writer of the movie and the the writer of the comic were the same person. So, I mean, he had a sense for where this was going to go and what he was going to do with it. But, um, I just remember there being a ton of stuff in the comic that, that had to be either left out or changed, uh, for the movie. So, so that's something where if this is a story, if, if this is something that you found really interesting or anybody listening, if you found this movie really interesting, I would definitely say, go check out the comic because there is a lot more, there's a lot more of the, you know, some of the things that you want to know from the story, like why why do I care about these, why should we care about these rival motorcycle gangs, or I feel like I need to know more about this, uh, you know, this resistance group, and, and what's their whole deal, and, and what's going on with that, and, um, you know, a lot of that is in the comic, but just for time, didn't end up making it into the movie, and, and there are a few things here and there that I kind of wish would have made it into the movie, uh, just to kind of clarify some bits and pieces. But, um, if you did like this story and you want those parts filled in, I would definitely say, go check out the, the six volumes of the comic. Cool. Very cool. Do the, do, do the animations look the same? I mean, does the bike look the same? Does do the characters look the same and everything like that? It's all, it's all about the bike. It's all about Pat's the motorcycles. About the motorcycle. It's all about the motorcycles. Do they, do the, Dude, I'm telling you, man. Do they do the motorcycle hey, hey. justice? I will say, you know what? Actually, here's here's something in, really in cool. In Ready Player One, in yeah. Ready Player One, one of the things that uh, is the Akira yeah. motorcycle, and Tetsuyo, uh, I can't say the name right, but like after that whole thing, he was turning into that weird like monster Akira thing uh-huh. and all that. And what did what was he after, dude? I want that guy's bike. Yeah, he was, you know. So I'm all, just, I'm just saying, you know. All about the motorcycles. Um, the actually the comic and the the comic that I read, I don't know if they've changed it. Um, I, I can't imagine that they have. Was all done up in black and white. So a, oh. a lot of it is, a lot of the visuals are very different. Um, obviously from the movie because you're you're dealing with you know the black and white, um, just the very stark black and white of the manga. And then you've got, I mean, ridiculous combinations and splashes of color in this movie. Um, one thing that you keep, you, you bring up the motorcycles. One of the thing about the motorcycles that I always thought was really cool was the taillights and how, you know, as they're riding through the city, how the, how they did the animation of the taillights kind of trailing a little bit behind them. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, what was it? I want to say I was watching an episode of, um, the <laughs> Batman animated series from the nineties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like either Batman in the Batmobile or he was maybe chasing somebody on a motorcycle. They did that exact same thing, and it looked like it was lifted directly from Akira. And it was—I cool. think it was like the day after I had rewatched this movie. I saw that in the Batman cartoon, and I thought I—they had to have done that because of maybe being a fan of 
of Akira, or, or maybe that's something that gets done in, in other movies and it's just a stylistic thing. But um, I remember seeing that the day after rewatching this movie and, and thinking how cool that was to, to see somebody kind of just pay a little bit of homage. Maybe. I don't know if that's what they were really doing, but uh, it seemed like it. Cool. I'm going to go back and watch the uh, some some of the scenes with the bikes and check out the taillights. Yeah. That was always, I mean, that, that part always really stuck out to me, stylistically at least, was was the the motorcycle chase at the very beginning. I mean, just for the movie to kind of start off that way, that was kind of a, you know, you're hitting the ground running or driving, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In watching, in watching these two movies, I mean, like we said, these is very, very far ends of the spectrum in terms of movies and in terms of anime, and the, and the styles are totally different. Um, do you feel like you gravitate toward one or the other? I mean, obviously, there's there's calm peacefulness. Uh, there's no violence. There's no, you know, physical villain in Totoro, and then you've got the far end of the spectrum. It's a dystopian. Um, you know, it's very cynical, you know, uh, there's almost like no point to like the youth in this movie. There's no point to living life. It just, you just survive and do what you do and, you know, beat the crap out of the next guy and, and go on, you know, ride your bike down the street and, um, very far ends of the spectrum. Which of those two do you tend to gravitate toward? And I, I know for me, kind of mood I'm in. I'm I was going to say the same thing is it kind of depends on the mood is I, I really enjoyed Totoro and there will be a time where I want to watch that. But there's also the time where I, you know, I, I want to see stuff get, I want to see Tokyo get bombed every now and then. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But is that after watching, cause you know, with these two movies together, after watching these fairly close together, is there one in particular? I mean, do you. Jeff, I know you. I know you like the Miyazaki movies so much. Is this one a bit of a bridge too far when compared with those others? It's um, a good question. At least for me today, yes. Okay. Now I don't. Know, maybe if I if if I happen to be in a different mindset and I want to see uh, just something a lot more gritty. Then maybe I would go to Akira mm-hmm. as opposed to a Miyazaki film. Um, eh, at the same time, though, uh, Princess Mononoke isn't as sweet and and charming as my neighbor Totoro. So you know, I could kind of find some of it in Miyazaki, but this is a lot more completely just in-your-face grit and and violent. Um, it's more over the yeah. top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely more over the top. You know, social rules are not something that are applied in any way, shape, or form. So, I don't know. I don't know if it, it was just this movie or, or if it's that style that I didn't like, or if it's just the way the story was unfolding that I didn't like. Yeah. Bo, which one do you tend to lean toward? Um, I would say if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean more towards the dystopian style, something with a little more meat to it. That being said, Totoro was great. Yeah. It was 
but it was fun. It was cute. I mean, I have to admit, if I'm looking, if I'm hard up for a present for my nieces in the next six months or so, a little Totoro plushie with a copy of the movie might not be the worst thing I ever thought of, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you ask me tomorrow which one I'd put in first, it's going to be Akira. Okay. Not the least of reasons being that I know I need to see it again because I... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's stuff I missed. I, I just I have that feeling, you know? Yeah. And Pat, is it just the motorcycles? Was because there there were motorcycles. no no motorcycles yeah. in. There's there's motorcycles, so okay. if I had to pick, I would go with that. But okay. I will. Pick. Go Pat ahead. Bus not doing it for you. Yeah, you know, not 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 so much, not so much. But what? but I'll tell you this though, I still think it's it's definitely a mood thing. And if I just want to like just chill out and watch a beautiful story, I mean, heck, I I could even I could even see just some of those images of the of the farm, the farmland and the forest and the tree and all of that kind of stuff. I could just hit pause and that's my screensaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the animation just, is fantastic. So it really, really, truly is like a mood thing for me. Now, I'm always in the mood for motorcycles. So that, that statement, I'm, you know, is, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it would just have to be a mood thing to check out the movie. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's what mood I'm in. Yeah. I do have Totoro as uh, my desktop picture on my laptop. Oh, so I guess, I guess cool. I may be a little bit more into Miyazaki than I'm letting on. I thought I saw that the other day. Is it the black and white one? Yeah. 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 Um, now, I did hear that Akira, they have been, and they've been talking for years about making a live action uh, version of Akira, which I would be interested to see. I mean, I would definitely. I would definitely go see it if it came out. Um, you know, if, if I could just, if I could throw my cent, my two cents out there, and if, if anybody from Hollywood is listening, um, based on the color palette of the Akira anime and a movie that I saw this last year, um, I would say whoever they got to do the cinematography and just kind of design the color palette and some of the action sequences of the movie Atomic Blonde, the one that had Charlize Theron in it, Please have that person go walk, go work on Akira because I think it would be a perfect fit. That movie was. Did you guys ever see that one? Mm-mm. I did not. No, I. I it was to a few times. It just never got around to. The it. action sequences were intense, and I kind of feel like if you if you definitely if you're going to. Well, I mean, it was intense in the anime version anyway. But if you're going to do a live action version of Akira, I, I think you need some intensity there. So. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, and it, that movie was supposed to be set in the eighties. Um, and so it just, there was a very, I don't know. I feel like the, the color palette of that one and just, you know, some of the different, some of the different visual themes of that movie would fit well if they were going to do a, a live action version of Akira. But I will look forward mm-hmm. to seeing the, uh, the cycle in ready player one. Oh yeah. Yes. So. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, so this our anime episode. Uh, first episode of 2018 or 1988, whichever way you want to do it, uh, is in the books. Yeah, happy so um, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, thank you for joining us. I, you know, I was going to mention a couple things real quick that I didn't mention early on. Was we have not only we've not only hit a thousand followers on Twitter, we are well on our way to like 1,100 at this point. So we're getting, wow. you know. 
people are, are following and, and kind of interacting with us on Twitter all the time. We um, are somebody now. We t- we're, in the, we're in the, I don't want to say that we're in the big time, but, you know, we're in the slightly bigger than small time. I'll take it. Okay. We're, we're in the big, we're, are, we in, are we in the big end of the small time? We are in the, hmm. I don't who's know what big, that means. Who's, who's big end are you into? <laughs> hey now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, nurse. Okay. Um, there you go. There you go. That that was the right response. Yeah. That was the only thing that would have been the right response. Um, and uh, and I won a free T-shirt. So that was cool too. We had uh, there's you want a, a free T-shirt. I won a free T-shirt. There's a, a an account on Twitter from a company called Movie Tees. And they, they mm. just make a whole bunch of different T-shirts for, um, you know, different movies. And they had, I think you had to retweet, and, and I don't know if you had to respond to one of their tweets with something, but uh, I responded to one of them, and I won a free uh, Cyberdyne Computer Systems T-shirt from them. So thanks to... Cyberdyne th- wow. Computer Systems. Thanks to, thanks to nice. Movie Tees. So, so whenever anything goes wrong, if it's a casual Friday and I'm wearing jeans and a T-shirt and anything goes wrong in the, in the tech... At uh, school, I may be wearing my Cyberdyne shirt, and I like it. And, that, would uh, ne- that would never happen, though. No, 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 because nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> Suffice it to say that the future is safe if Skynet if Skynet is using anything. Well, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to name names. You don't want to throw anybody I, under I, the cat I, bus. No, no, I'm not gonna throw anyone in the cat bus. But I'm okay. just saying, if Skynet was trying to use our use our our, our, our tech and, and organization to take over the world, they it it wouldn't go mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's gonna do it for this one. So, uh, in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Thank you, guys. Thank you, the the all the guys here, and thank you, all the guys listening, uh, guys and gals listening for joining us. Yeah. Um, but uh, we will be back here next time. Our next one up is going to be uh, so. Our next couple of episodes are going to be the Who Framed Roger Rabbit will be our next one, along with kind of a discussion of uh, favorite cartoons of 1988 in the late 80s. And then after that, uh, our next one after that is going to be the uh, the showdown between Disney and Don Bluth with Land Before Time and Oliver and Company. So that'll be finishing out the uh, kind of a busy month of January for us, but uh, that'll be finishing those out here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so in the meantime, go watch some good movies. Be excellent to, to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time for Who Framed Roger Rabbit.